Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Schein. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Schein, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marshall McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us. Uh, Tom DeMeo. Tom, thanks for joining today. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So, Tom, you know, we were chatting before before we got on the show, and obviously we have some both have some close ties to Staten Island. Uh, my question for you, um, you know, boy growing up in Staten Island, did he ever think that he would end up being the, the cyber practice leader at, you know, one of the more prestigious uh, accounting firms to date? No, no, I did not. <laughs> You know, I, I would say, you know, Sun Island, you know, most of my family was cops, firemen, you know, that was a typical, typical path. So I definitely never saw myself, you know, moving into, to, into a field like this. That's, that's for sure. So, so it leads me to the next question is, how'd you get into cybersecurity? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's funny. Originally, when I was in college, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to be a doctor, right? That, that's what I wanted to do. And then I thought about all the loans and all <laughs> the stuff as I was going through. And I was like, Eh, maybe I don't want to do that. So I, I started with computer science. And, you know, e- even as a kid, you know, I was kind of always fascinated with getting the computer to do what I wanted it to do, right? My first computer was a Commodore 64. You know, and even that I would play around with a little coding book and things like that. And, you know, when I went to college and I started taking those courses and seeing how things have evolved, you know, it really kind of it took my interest, right? So then I went down the computer science path. And then when I graduated, I was like right in the post dot-com boom, right? Where everything kind of busted. Um, and I ended up taking a job really on the network engineering side, systems engineer side, and that it ended up being for PKF, right? We were a much smaller firm at the time. And, you know, I want to say 2006, 2007, you know, it started to become apparent because the auditor is saying, well, you know, we're auditing all these systems and we're auditing all these environments, but we don't understand the IT aspect, right? All these systems now are doing all the calculations. Um, and, you know, they looked at me and they said, Tom, can you, can you go and <laughs> take a look? And see what they're doing and that kind of started the path you know mm-hmm. and then started doing the reviews to that and then it led to the separate practice and then really building out what the cybersecurity practice is today you know it's interesting to hear you know about a young guy picking up a coding book and you know how that's end up developing i can't tell you how many folks we've had on the show that you know it's very much a similar story uh we had one individual um is his father, uh, him and his sister had a coding book and effectively every Saturday morning, you know, that was the way that instead of playing video games, they would code the video games and ended up being wildly successful individuals. So I uh, certainly appreciate that. And uh, I know you're on very much on that uh, same trajectory. Um, when we're talking about some of the, you know, um, I guess the, 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 the morphing of the accounting firm really appreciating the value of cybersecurity can you just talk a little bit about, you know, perhaps the value add, um, given the fact that you guys have a holistic relationship, because we've seen more and more firms, you know, starting to put in these advisory arms, whether it's a consulting and accounting, you know, what, what's the benefit of partnering with somebody like yourself that has, you know, both the cybersecurity resources, as well as the, um, um, you know, intellectual uh, CP, uh, the tax intellect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as an accounting firm, just even historically, you know, they were always looked at your, as a trusted advisor, right? They, they, they advised on the thing that was closest to the business, which was the money, right? 
and you know a natural offshoot of that because you know you had the attention of the board you had the attention of you know all your your senior executives um it was a natural transition to really start to build out what that advisory aspect would look like you know because there's especially as you know the accounting industry started to computerize and systems started to go into play it, it was all a natural progression right now you had to have it personnel on staff that understood really you know the financial systems and you know networks and how data flowed and you know you would come in you would, you would do these assessments and you would make recommendations based on that you know and that was relative to, to financial reporting but you know things have changed you know the the risk posture has changed and you know just because you are that advisor you know it was a natural shift for clients to start to look towards her and say look can, can you help us you know, what should we do, you know, and, and that's kind of really fed a lot of growth because, you know, we, we are the trusted advisor and, and being able to come in and say, hey, look, you know, yes, we can help you. Yes, we could advise you on a more cyber specific path and help you mature your program. You know, that, that's invaluable to a lot of clients, you know, so it, it was a very natural fit to move in that direction. And it only makes sense, you know, folks go to their accountants for all types of questions and now, you know, technology only added to the mix. And I guess it, you know, it makes sense to be a natural progression there. It does. And, and, you know, the thing is too, you know, because you're also tapped in, especially if they're your client and you're tapped in on the auditor or the accounting side, you know, you typically have a pretty good understanding of the business from an operational side, right? Maybe I don't coming in for the first time, I won't understand it, but that's where, you know, you tap into the other partner and let them help explain the business and the movement. And now you start to really understand the risk posture, right? So now that when we go in, you know, we're pretty well oriented and, and we know how to make it risk focused, right? So that when we're, when we're helping them, we're advising them, it's really to what they need and what matters, you know, and that, that's the key thing. So, so when you're advising them, let, let's just talk about it, right? So I, I know that you guys have a robust pre-breach practice. Yep. Um, how does that look? Um, are you guys getting significant uptick? Um, you know, when I talk to a lot of cyber insurance carriers, they'll tell me, Mark, you know, we're getting anywhere from typically it's below double digits of an uptick of clients looking to come and engage these services. Is it any different on the accounting side? No, no, it, it's the same thing. So, you know, you're seeing a lot of really, like you said, uptick in that pre, you know, posture, right? How are we? Are we healthy? You know, are we doing what should we should be doing? And I think it's coming from a lot of a lot of different verticals. One, you know, especially the past year. I mean, with with the remote shift, mm -hmm. you know, I think we probably had our busiest year to date because, you know, once everything kind of fell over, and now the business was completely reliant on IT and you know what was happening. You know, it was no longer does it work? We're good. You know, now you had your executives knowing that their business was hinging on the fact that these systems working. People really started to pay attention. You know, the boards, the, the CEO, you know, all your executive suite, you know, and I, I think one that started the transition, right? So now you, you got a big uptake from that. And then secondly, you know, rightfully so, you, you know, from the cyber insurance carriers, you know, they're also saying, look, you know, if you're not healthy, we're not, we're not going to insure you, you know, and they're coming in with, with, you know, much more specific requirements that you want you to have. It's, it's no different than getting, you know, life insurance, right? If you want a nice policy, they're going to make sure you're healthy, right? They're going to send the nurse. You're going to go through blood work. You're going to do all these types of things. You know, it's it's the same thing we're seeing on, you know, really the the network side of things. You know, for example, I, I know I was working with a private school, and, you know, you think of private school typically they're a little bit looser, and you know, it's just the nature of education. They're a little bit more open, and you know, their cyber insurance policy wasn't going to renew them unless they had MFA externally, internally, you know, pretty 
good requirements, but a dramatic shift from what they were used to doing, you know, so that that's, which is a good thing. It's, it's driving it in the right direction. That, that's for sure. So, so Tom, are you seeing, um, and, and I know this is a, a generality and of course doesn't apply to all clients, but are you seeing more of, um, more clients engaging your services because of a vendor or an insurance company, somebody demanding that they have certain minimum safeguards in place prior to signing an engagement or providing a policy rather than they're just doing it because it's the right thing to do? Yeah. So third-party due diligence is a big driver, right? Because, you know, again, as the world wakes up and, and really starts to focus on this, you know, they're starting to look at that supply chain risk, you know, and again, you think about solar winds and what happened with that. I mean, that was all supply chain risk, you know, and, and it's the same concept. So, you know, yes, especially if you're in a regulated industry, you know, and you're dealing with health, health data, or you're dealing with financial data, and you want to work with the banks or things like that and touch sensitive data, they're going to start asking a lot of questions, you know, and they're going to want to know, hey, look, do you, do you have a policy? Do you, do you yourself have cyber insurance, you know, to kind of help with some of that third, third party risk transference? and things like that. Are you training your employees? You know, because quite frankly, they become the weak link in the chain. You sure. know, and if you're not assessing it properly, it's going to be a wide exposure point. And, you know, the problem is too, is a lot of these industries of the third party risk you know, on the third party side, they've also never been challenged. You know, I see this a lot with managed service providers. You know, mm -hmm. people usually typically didn't ask them all those questions, but yet they were the ones with the keys to the kingdom. You know, a lot of that is, is shifting and it's shifting, I would say pretty rapidly. So, Tom, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I mean, is, is there two or three kind of questions that folks should be asking a managed service provider, just kind of trying to get an understanding of their, the, you know, their maturity or, you know, to try and. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think one, you, you do have to chat. Well, I think one, you have to challenge them on, you know, help us understand what your cybersecurity program is, you know, at least show us what your, your basic cybersecurity policy looks like. Right. I, I think that's going to start to help you understand, do they even have a level of formality, right? Or is it just, you know, it's just people just operating, right? I think secondly, you know, I think it's always important is to, you know, do they have cyber insurance? You know, that that is a key thing. You know, I was working with a particular uh, uh, entity, you know, and they were using a managed service provider who was also hosting all their data and things like that. And, you know, when we asked the question to the managed service provider, didn't have insurance. Yeah. Now I, I posed it back to the entity and said, look, you know, take a hit with ransomware or something like that. And, you know, you're talking potentially a multi-million dollar ransom. You know, if they don't have enough money to cover it, they got a problem, right? And that's going to impact you, right? You're, you're not going to get your data back, you know? So how are they covering themselves, right? And, and I think thirdly, you know, you have to look at how they manage really your environment. You know, it's, there was a very, I would say it was common practice for quite some time, and I'm sure it still is, where, you know, managed service providers would have a tendency of using the same password across every one of their clientele. Sure, sure. The, the way they program their processes and the systems, which is, you know, again, problematic because when you think about the, the, the risk chain, you know, I could be part of their environment and I could pay millions of dollars of security, but, you know, the other person that they're supporting doesn't want to spend anything. And now if that credential gets exposed, well, now we got a problem, right? So now that's going to impact me because they're using, you know, the same credential across. You know, so you want to understand how they're managing that. And if they're storing your passwords, how are they storing it? Who has access to it? You know, basic things, if they terminate somebody, are they, you know, changing your passwords? You know, 
we've kind of built out a whole really questionnaire specifically to MSPs just because of, you know, we know the risk, right? And there's a lot of bullet points that we, we want to know. I, I think that's great guidance you just gave our listeners. And I guess, Tom, my question to you is if one of the listeners want to uh, find you and, and, you know, have a deeper dive, uh, is there a phone number, a website, uh, an email that they can reach out to you or somehow find you? Yep. Yep. So uh, email is always best, right? Mayo at pkfod.com. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me, right? And, and we're always more than happy to help. You know, I am on the website as well, www.pkfod.com, right? I'm listed there. Um, but yeah, email, email is always best. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, I know that we've spoken about a lot of different, a lot of different items, you know, today. Um, before I let you go, um, you know, one piece that, you know, we had touched upon that I think, I, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, revisit is this hybrid work environment. And I know that, you know, being the fact that you guys have a lot of trusted advisor, you know, relationships, they're coming to you and they're saying, how do we, how do we figure this out? What, where, where do you see this hybrid work environment going in the next 6, 12, 18 months? Um, is it here to stay? Is it a temporary thing? Um, and obviously, we know this is a personal opinion. Not yeah, gonna... yeah. I, I think for a lot of industries, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to persist for a period. You know, Whether or not it eventually fizzles out like a lot of things, who knows? But for the immediate future, for the near term, without question. You know, and I think a lot of that's going to be driven from you know, just talking to some clients, some of it, some of them don't want to rush too far, too back in too soon because they know it's going to be now too much of a shock, right? So now they're trying to ease in. So that's going to go over a period of time. And some, you know, some businesses based on their business model realize that, hey, look, this really does work. <laughs> you know, sure. our employees are happier. We're still productive. We don't need to be in the office to do certain things, you know, so 100%, I don't think it's going anywhere. You know, I think it is going to persist. You're going to have that remote access, supporting that remote environment, which again, you know, coming out of the pandemic and as things really start to, to shift back to normal and you start to look to, towards the long term, you know, this is where as a business, you really have to step back and look about, look at, you know, how did you support that environment? And, you know, is that really going to be the, the go forward solution? Or, you know, did you kind of piece it together because you had to operate, you know, but now now's the time to really have that look back if, if you haven't already done it, you know, that's for sure. So, so Tom, before I let you go, is there anything that I should have asked you today that we didn't? No, no, as always, I think you're spot on. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show and chatting cyber, Tom. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you.